household chores and acts of love. שלא אציע לך מיטתך, אין צריך להפר. Now, perhaps I should start this with a, a warning that while the romantics among us will find this a, a very beautiful piece of Gemara, a beautiful matmon, uh, but the more woke among us, those who are more progressively liberal in their attitude about gender roles, uh, might find it a little disturbing. But still, my responsibility is to teach you uh, the Gemara as it is, to teach Torah as it stands, irrespective of what the social fads are at the time. We mentioned in the last matmonim that there are certain nedarim which the husband is permitted to intervene if a wife makes that nedar and to annul the nedar. The one we dealt with in the previous matmon was the area, the class of nedarim called inuy nefesh, nedarim which could cause the wife bodily harm, physical discomfort and damage her quality of life. Today we learn about a second category, which is those kinds of oaths that restrict intimacy between him and her, that make it difficult, if not impossible, for the two of them to lead normal lives of husbands and wives. If she were to make a, a nedah that, that creates restrictions in that area, the husband has the authority to annul the vow. That comes from a pasuk in Matot, These are the principles, the statutes which Hashem had commanded Moshe, between a man and his wife, a father and his daughter. And our Gemara on Daf Ayin Teh Tamud Beth brings a brisa that learns from this very pasuk, from this very sentence we learn, Melameda teaches, that the husband can annul our oaths that affect the relationship between he, him and her. And the Gemara goes into quite a lot of details to the difference between these two classes of nadir, that when a husband is annulling a vow, it's important to know whether he's doing so in his capacity as being permitted to annul a vow of inuy nefesh, of physical discomfort, or is he doing it in his capacity to annul a vow that interferes with their relationship of husband and wife. The Gemara in Daf Pei Aleph Amud Beis gives various different examples, and one one is Shelo etain teven lifnei behemtecha umayim lifnei bekarecha. I will not feed your animals. So while the woman is not obligated to go out and and do business and take care of the business, but there are certain aspects of support roles that she is expected to help with. So while uh, he might take the cattle out and and fend for the cattle and take care for them, when the cattle come back. To the farm, uh, the woman is expected, the wife is expected to help him by providing food and water for the animal. So such an editor, he's not able to annul it. And the reason is that although it's suggested that the wife, if there are no servants available, should do that, she's not obligated to. It's, it's not something that, that he has any rights over her. If she doesn't want to feed the animals, if she takes a vow to say, I'm not going to feed your animals, that's not called that doesn't interfere with their relationship. It's certainly not inuy nefesh. Not doing so is not going to cause her physical discomfort. On the contrary, it's going to give her more comfort. And it's not it's not distracting in any way or detracting in any way from the quality of their relationship as husband and wife. However, if she were to say, I will not take, put your bed in order, just organize the cushions and the blankets before you go to sleep. 
You come back from work tired. I'm not going to pour you a cup of tea or pour you a, a scotch or a glass of wine. And I'm not going to wash your your face, your hands, and, and your legs. In these cases, he doesn't have to acknowledge. She doesn't have the right to even make that neder. He has such a right to those services, so to say, just as she has the right to a lot of service from the husband and provision from the husband and, and making good for her financially, physically, in every way. Uh, she has rights to that from him. Uh, on the other hand, he has certain rights to that from her, and these are actions which, which are included in the rights that he has from her. <clears throat> now, particularly the last one might seem very archaic and, and difficult to understand, really. Does, does, is a wife expected to wash the, the face and the hands and the feet of the husband? Well, again, expected or not expected, it, it's interesting that many years ago I conducted a survey of young Jewish men who had chosen to marry Asian wives. That time I was spending a lot of time in Japan and in Hong Kong <clears throat> and in other parts of Asia, as well as in California, and I was able to come across many men, some quite religious, who had decided to, to marry Asian women. And the um, a, a lot of what came out of that conversation was the level of service, but not out of a sense of, of servitude, out of a sense of intimacy and love. And they explained to me that, that there, there are, again, one can't generalize, and this was, this was a while back, but it's, it's part of Asian culture, that that's an act of intimacy and an act of service. Uh, and, and even today, when you travel on, on an airline, a business class or first class, certainly on the Asian airlines, you will be given something with which to, to wash your face. Um, but, but when there's really service in, in some of the Asian hotels, you will have somebody who will do that for you, uh, who will put your feet in a, in a, a bowl of, of warm, soothing water uh, and, and who will take a cool, fragrant cloth and wipe your brow. It's seen as an act of service and in marital relationships, it's seen as an act of intimacy. And in the world of Torah, in the old days, in the world of Torah, that was the case as well. And while, as we learn in this, these Gemorrahs, it's not, the, the point is not to go home and insist that your wife washes your face from now on because you learned a piece of Gemorrah in the Dorim Daf Pe'ala from Udbeis, but it is to understand that there are certain acts of service that are acts of, of intimacy, closeness, and, and, um, and meaning. <laughs> you even get the sense, the difference between the way people in the service industry relate to the act of service <clears throat> in places and areas in Asia, including in some of the Gulf areas, as opposed to the United States, where very often services are seen as a transactional job. That's what I'm paid to do. And sometimes it's even, there's even indignation. Uh, why should I be serving you? Are you any better than I am? And unfortunately, one sometimes comes across that in Israel. There's a sense of, I'm a Jew, you're a Jew, why am I serving you? Serve yourself. Um, <clears throat> although that's improving a lot there. But certainly in, in other parts of the world, there is a sense of service being a privilege, uh, of wanting to serve because of what that means and the dignity that is involved in that and the honor that it is involved in terms of showing that honor to the other person. 
And so if a woman certainly, well, even today, I guess, would say, I refuse to do anything that is an act of closeness and intimacy um, because I think that we should share all chores in the house and there's nothing that uh, I should have to do, uh, rather than saying, let's just examine, there are some chores in the house which are transactional, they just have to get done. And those are chores we can share. <clears throat> some things you'll do, some things I'll do, sometimes some things we'll share. But there are some things which demonstrate caring, and those are not things that we share. <clears throat> there are certain ways a husband dem demonstrates caring for his wife. He protects her, he cares for her. He doesn't say protect yourself. He does that for her. There's a certain gallantry. Um, he'll open a door for her. He doesn't say open it yourself. He'll ha carry a heavy package for her. He doesn't say carry it yourself. <clears throat> it's an act of intimacy. It's a gesture of honor to do it for her. And he doesn't say, well, I'll carry the, pass the package today. You carry the package tomorrow. <clears throat> That's something he does as part of the way he relates to his wife. And likewise, there are certain acts of intimacy. She organizes the bedroom and the bed. Uh, she pours a drink for him. There are things that she does that make him feel honored and respected and, 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 and held in high dignity in the part of his wife. And she wants to do that. That's not something she wants to share. So we'll see more of that in the run, where the run says, um, he, he, asks that, he asks the question that in the Gemara back in Ketuvot, uh, we find that, that he actually can compel her to feed the animals. That's part of her responsibility in the house. And, and the run explains, That's just talking in a case where he, he does not have the financial capacity to have employees in the house, to have servants in the house. <coughs> the Gemara is very clear, and it's brought in the Shulchan Aruch in Eben Ezer, that a man, when he has financial capacity, needs to bring employees and servants into the house to take some of the physical labor off the woman. There's no requirement of the housewife to do physical labor. It's just that if there's nobody else to do it and he's busy earning a living, then she does it. Um, but it's not required. It's not part of marriage. But there are other things that are part of marriage. So if he doesn't have the financial capacity to employ people to feed the animals, then she has to help out in that area and feed the, and feed the animals. Um, uh, but if he does bring in servants, as he should if he can afford to do so, then your shevet bekatedra, she doesn't have to do any of that physical work. Uh, and he's, she's not obligated in these areas. So provided that there are other servants available and she makes a neder, she makes an oath and says, I will not go out and feed the animals, she's entitled to do that and he can't be made for her. He can't in any way uh, uh, annul those vows. However, says the run, even if he has servants, even if the house is full of servants, if she says, I won't order your bed, I won't pour your drink, we'll get the butler to do that. He doesn't even have to annul that because the, the neder, that vow is in itself invalid. Because we've established in Ketuvot that even if he brings in many, many servants, he, she remains obligated in these areas. As the Gemara says in Ketuvot, 
Omar Avitzba even though they say that if he has four servants or more, she can sit in her parlor and doesn't have to do any work at all. but she should pour him a drink when he comes home. and she should make the bed look good and organize the cushions. she should bring him a fragrant damp, uh, wet cloth with which to wipe his brow and relax him. That's something that, that she should be doing. And says the run, why? Because these are things that bring people close together. And so you see from here, it's all very well. We can uh, go with, with progressive liberalism and we can say nobody has any roles. Man and woman must just share. Both should work. Both should be professionals. Both should raise the children. Both should empty the garbage. Both should do everything. Clean the dishes, cook the meals, just share it down the middle. One can say that. But that's just making a partnership out of a marriage. It's interesting that we talk about partners now in modern English. Partnership is a business term. It just means there two, there's a certain amount of work and we're splitting it between us. We're taking, we're sharing and we're partnering the responsibility. But that's not what marriage is. When we talk about a chatan, a chatan, the word chatan comes from ten. A chatan is a provider. That's his role. That's what he does best. When he provides, it's good for the marriage. Now, there might be cases where he can't provide and she does, or where he can provide and she does too. That's not the point. The point is when he provides, he enhances the intimacy of the relationship. When she provides, that's very nice. That's good. It doesn't enhance the intimacy. It does nothing for the relationship. It does something for their bank account. It does something for her level of confidence and independence. But it doesn't enhance the relationship. But when he goes out to work and makes her comfortable and provides for a home, for the upbringing of the children, for their education, that does something for the relationship. And what is a kala? Kala comes from the word kol. Hashem berachet Avraham bakol when Hashem blessed Abraham with call and the Gemara says that's a bat that's that's a daughter some say it's 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 a wife the idea of call is to a man the woman is you are my everything that's what a kala is which means without you I'm nothing I can provide and provide as much as I want but who am I I, the, I am as a person, as, as a human being, that's because of you. So we call them chatan and kala, not bride and groom or partners. Uh, and ish and an isha, each one has a role, each one has a part of, of work. And again, there are transactional parts of the household chores that, that should be split up. We're not talking about that. We're talking about certain aspects of activities between husband and wife and between the couple and the home that enhance the relationship when done correctly. And some of those are specific to the male and some of those are specific to the female. And we can choose to ignore that and we can choose to split everything down the middle. Uh, but then we mustn't be surprised when the husband goes off to work, um, for example, uh, and he's surrounded by uh, women who look gorgeous, possibly, who are committed to making him successful, uh, to providing for him, to answering his every beck and call. Um, that's what they're paid to do. Uh, and one then becomes surprised when there's an attraction that is caused over there, because when he comes home, all he gets from his wife is the... Uh, instructions and directions, do this, do that, clean up the garbage, take the, clean the dishes, take care of the children. Uh, so it's an inverse situation. Instead of being a king in his home and a servant at work, serving his customers, serving his boss, serving his shareholders, it becomes inversed. He becomes a king in his office 
and he becomes a servant at home. So no wonder he wants to spend more and more time out of the home and that families break up at such a disturbing rate. One begins to understand that because we insist on pursuing progressive liberalism and wokeism rather than really understanding the romantic, beautiful, deep, human, spiritual values of the Torah and how the Torah wants us to live our lives. (laughs) 